It takes more than running an AA test and proclaiming everything is under control to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 369. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers who just want to keep everything under control, but sometimes want to keep everything under treatment. I don't eat the same thing for breakfast every day because I'm boring. It's because I'm running an AA test. I'm just trying to keep everything under control. Yeah. I didn't not change my shirt because I'm a <laughs> slob. <laughs> no, it's very scientific. Uh, <laughs> I have actually, okay, in a former job, we did an AA test because we were suspicious about the the pipeline that was oh. doing the statistical crunching to assign significance to things. How many of these originated with a question? That can't be right. <laughs> well, it, yeah, we, we, we did an AA test and they were quick to point out, oh, something clearly significant here. And uh, then we had to tell them, actually, we didn't change anything. So You tricked the experiment infrastructure team. I'm pretty sure it was because we wanted to do something and there was there was a test that showed a tiny, teeny tiny decrease in some metric that hit some threshold of significance. And we were like, that can't be the case. It's, we basically used it to challenge the idea of A-B testing. It's really beautiful, actually. I mean, it, whether... Oh, yeah, that is really amazing. I had never thought to do an AA test to test your A-B testing framework. But that's really cool. Yeah. It's one of those really clever... Really That's not what this test. is about. All right. Sorry. Everything's under control. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Dave, do you want to thank our wonderful... No, I do. I want I'm you lost. to. If, if what you were trying to ask is, do I want you to thank our patrons? The answer is yes. Do you want to tell me to thank our wonderful <laughs> yeah. patrons? Yes. Yes, I do. That's what will happen right now. Thank you, too. <laughs> Nick Cantar, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Travis, Nick Hathaway, Oladapo Fadier, Ragnar, Jonathan King, Webtow, Awesome N10, Testing, Will Angel, Monkey Face Emoji, Ira Chan, Patreon.com, we're hiring Tuscarora, <sighs> Someplace in Ohio, <laughs> Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, Alice Jost, Owen Shardle, Jenny Kim, Cody Sale, Ken C. Dodds, Noah Frazier Logue, the Re-Elect Jameson Dance Committee, Santa Hope are the Re-Elect Jameson Dance Boogie Brigade, the ComputerScienceBook.com, Trash Panda, and one-time shoutouts to Quit My Job, Got New Job Starting Soon, Freaking, freaking Out, Need Urgent Access to Slack Things, <laughs> Sarah French, and Vernon Kesner. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. You keep the show going. You pay for the the copious amounts of delicate and fancy cheeses Dave requires to <laughs> maintain his decadent lifestyle, which is a requirement for doing the podcast. It keeps my voice fresh for this microphone. Yeah, coat it. That throat is coated in cheese all <laughs> the time. <laughs> the syllables just flow out. It's so do. smooth. If you contribute any amount, you get an invite to our Slack team. So it's coming. Quit my job. Got new job starting soon. Need urgent access to Slack. We got you. <laughs> and if you contribute enough, then we'll shout you out one or many times, depending on how much enough you do. I'm actually tempted to go and give quit my job. Got new job starting soon. Freaking out. Need urgent access to Slack. Thanks. An early invitation to our Slack community <laughs> for that name. <laughs> they did say it was urgent. All right. I'm going to I'm going to make that happen right now on on the air. There we go. Okay. When you hear this later, just know you quit my job got new job starting soon freaking out person. You got early access. All right. Well, now that that's done, 
Do you want to ask me if I want to read the next question or the first question? I, I don't. I just want you to read it. Okay. All right. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, my employer offered me a retention bonus after, and here comes a bulleted list of five things. Number one, the CTO left two weeks after I arrived. Number two, two weeks later, one fourth of the staff was laid off. Number three, two weeks after that, the COO left. Number four, two weeks after that, two board members resigned. And number five, three or four weeks after that, the director of engineering left. What does this mean? What should I look out for? Oh my God. <laughs> what should I look out for? I like that. Yeah, what should you well, look you out really for? <laughs> screwed up this company. <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> look at this high impact. I'm just going to, yeah. on your LinkedIn, just for this one, just wrote, made a huge impact on the company at all levels. <laughs> Cut costs by millions. Oh my goodness. Even the board of directors. <laughs> Good work. Well, I believe what it means is the company is going out of business. <laughs> <That's> possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. What do I look out for? This is, is really scary. Your, your paycheck bouncing. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> that's, that's your first sign. <laughs> I just have this image of a software engineer picking up a paper paycheck from the front desk on their way out of the office. Do, do, do. <laughs> just going to walk. I'm actually just going to skip and whistle down to the bank. Do, do, do. Deposit the check. <laughs> Sir, this check has bounced. Curses. Rats again. Oh. Same thing happened <laughs> to my last third... paycheck. <laughs> For the third time in a row. <laughs> that retention bonus is coming, though. Yeah, this, this seems like all is not well, certainly, which I assume you have gathered. Yeah, I mean, the retention bonus is an obvious reaction to huge attrition. Huge. This is a big deal. I mean, they did it. It's interesting that they did a 25% layoff and all these people left. And now they're offering retention bonuses to the ones that are remaining. Yeah. I mean, I assume they're worried that everyone is thinking what we are saying, which is that they're worried folks will assume the company is dying and go mm-hmm. quit and get a different job. So they're trying to avoid and that. And maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe the company's not dying. It's possible that this was actually all part of the grand plan for this company. Yeah. Maybe that CTO is terrible. I think... It is a a unique experience to ride something to the ground. And if you are a paid employee, you get to observe it from a bit of a remove. I mean, you still are invested in the success of the company and and theoretically kind of want it to do well. Maybe you have some equity. You're not like a co-founder. You're not an investor in it, though. Mm -hmm. So if the paychecks are still arriving, then you kind of get a close-up view of, of like a volcano erupting or something. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I think I think it would be interesting if I felt pretty secure in in either the money continuing or, and me having enough warning to know it wouldn't or my ability to quickly get a different job. Right, right. I mean, if I didn't like the job already, then... The level of fun you can have depends a lot on your next step and how sure that is. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just yeah. all worry. Yeah, that's true. If you If you have an urgent need to not miss a paycheck, then certainly less fun to watch your paycheck volcano erupt. That's right. (laughs) Oh, man. I I think I would stay and ask a lot of questions about the health of the business. And maybe you would get straightforward answers, maybe not. But your your job as a software developer is is somewhat removed from the day-to-day 
business metrics, but I think we've talked a lot about how it can be valuable to be able to position your work as more directly related to the business. And, and well, where am I going with this? I think that's a way to increase your value to the companies is like connect what you're doing to the business value. This is sort of like the opposite direction is like you want, you want the company to push more business information to you. So you know more about what is going on and can make mm. better decisions. So you can decide what to stay or go I to think. stay and, and maybe and there's get fired and then get a severance or to leave early and not get the severance yeah i mean that's i think you're saying maybe the folks who were laid off got severance i don't know if that's what you're saying what are you saying yeah i mean I, i'm saying i i am making an assumption here but i assume that if you get let go the chance of getting a severance check on your way out the door is much higher than if you leave of your own accord uh, which, by the way, the chance of you getting a severance check when you leave of your own accord is zero, but the chance yeah. of getting one if they fire you is non-zero. I'm also going to assume this is a startup. They didn't say that explicitly, but if if you know that the board members resigned, either it's like in the news or it's a startup. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I swear I had a point here. What was the point? Oh yeah, I was going to talk about burn rate. A number that I, whatever my role in a startup, a number I always want to know is, is well, two numbers, I guess, burn rate and, and runway. And yeah. I'm consistently surprised by folks who work at a startup and don't think about that. Like there's a trade-off you're making, which is this company is not sustainable and Yet. it will run out of money at some point unless stuff changes where that either means we're going to become profitable or we're going to raise more money. But there's there's like an end date built in to how the company works. And some people don't really know that or think about it. So if you don't know what those numbers are, I, I would find them out. I would ask right away, what's our burn rate? What's our runway? Or, or tell me as much as you can about those if you can't share the exact numbers. Yeah. Yep. That's a good thing to know. <laughs> some, I think sometimes that information stresses engineers out, which is why they yeah. kind of intuitively just shy away from knowing it i'll tell you what's more stressful though getting laid finding off. out your company <laughs> ran out of money yeah <laughs> yeah after that's... having no idea it's happening that's pretty stressful <laughs> yeah i guess um i think everyone should know when you go into a startup that it, the vast majority of startups are losing are actively losing money during the startup phases and vanishingly few of them turn into companies that make money and by definition if you lose money for long enough you will stop existing because yeah, it's very rare for a startup to pivot to a charity where everyone is a volunteer and they keep working. Maybe there's a scandal here. I mean, we've been talking about the health of the business. Maybe like the co-founder murdered the other co-founder and all these people are finding out one by one and, <laughs> and leaving. And leaving. This, first yeah. the CTO. It's like, an, it's like Clue, the movie, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're actually being murdered. <laughs> ah, yeah, laid off is you <laughs> even darker than what terminated. It is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what did you oh, think man. it meant? You have stumbled onto the set of a murder mystery unfolding in real time. The bad one was when quarter of the staff got terminated. That was pretty rough. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> that was, it was a lot of manual labor to dig all the holes. <laughs> oh man. All right, this took a turn for the dark. <laughs> Would you negotiate your retention bonus? 
yeah, and sure. The fact why not? That they're I offering mean, a retention bonus means it's they're they're like you have some leverage here that you might not normally have as just an employee of a company who wants to stay at that company. I mean, just for future reference, Jameson, if you ever feel inclined to ask me, would you negotiate? You don't even have to finish the sentence. The answer for me is pretty much always yes. Mm. Would you negotiate? <laughs> Wait for it. I don't know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I was hoping for something funny. good. <laughs> I don't know. The length of the handshake when you see someone in person for the first time. Excuse me. Can we shake hands just a little longer? I promise to make yeah. it worth your while. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, what do you get in return? Well, I mean, besides my clammy hands presence against the palm of your hand for an extra few seconds, I don't know. I didn't say I'd be good at negotiating. I just would like to do it. Something about microbiome. You're going to pass your healthy <laughs> bacteria onto them. Try that. <sighs> That'd be a good way to negotiate down the length of a handshake. I mean, retention bonuses are by definition, well, at least not by definition. In this case, there definitely is a leverage imbalance. And it's it's a good thing for you as the employee because they obviously have a problem on their hands that they're trying to solve. And they understand that that they're about to face a pretty serious attrition. At least that's the risk that they perceive. So they're coming at you with a retention bonus to try to keep you. That's normal. I don't always see retention incentives come out after layoffs. It kind of depends on the market conditions that are around you. You know, if people, but basically if people have options for other employment and they've just done a morale killer like layoffs, then retention table is a good tool to reach for. And so could you negotiate it? Sure, you could. And I think... You know, you might be negotiating. It's kind of funny because you might be negotiating, essentially converting runway into your retention bonus. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you got to be mindful of that. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. If if these are partially financial difficulties, then they might just say yes to whatever, knowing that they will never actually <laughs> be able to pay it. Yeah, it's like if you stay for six more months, we'll pay you a retention bonus of half your salary, and they're like, we yeah. have three months of runway. <laughs> <laughs> If we can raise money in the next three months, we won't care about the retention bonus cash. It won't make a difference. Yeah. If not, we'll all well, be out on the street anyway. Have we answered the question? I think so. I mean, this is what you look out for. I think you've already seen everything you needed to be looking out for. So, the, you know, does it get very literal about the question? What do I look out for? You've already seen the biggest, worst stuff, I think, at this point. Now I've just watched for paychecks to start bouncing. <laughs> I think that really is the next thing. Yeah. Good luck. Sorry, I, Good luck. We, I feel bad that we laughed a little bit, maybe a little bit too much at this. It's just like so extreme. And talked about murdering people. I know. We went, went to weird places. I don't places. think laughing was the worst part of what we just said. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. Let's get out of here. Jameson, have I told you my one rule? There's a lot of one rules. <laughs> maybe, hit, hit me with this one rule. Okay. My one rule is never build your own CSV importer. My one rule is to never say never. Well, building a CSV importer always seems like it would be so simple. It's just commas, new lines. How hard could it be? Well, no. Have you heard of byte order marks, escaping, header mappings? Oh, you need Excel format too? Oh, and your users have comma-separated values inside their comma-separated values? <laughs> I've actually tried to do this at a previous company. We tried to build our own CSV import, and it was almost done. For like six months. Yeah. <laughs> because to get it working in just the initial setup is pretty swift. Yeah. And then there's so much extra that goes into it to really polish it, to give error handling and user feedback and handling all the unexpected stuff that isn't like the test data that you 
feed into it before you call it done. Well, I have good news for you. There's a new product that I wish had existed for the last 20 years to save me from myself. It's called One Schema. One Schema provides an API that takes care of the pain of building CSV imports. It gives you automatic field mapping, data validation, and much more. Get world-class CSV import into your product without reinventing the comma-separated wheel. Go to <laughs> oneschema.co slash soft skills. That's O-N-E schema.co slash soft skills. I'm going to read the next question. Okay, okay, okay. And not joke about murdering people in the answer. I appreciate that. Let's do it. Thank you. This is from a listener named Calvin17, who says, I discovered your podcast about two weeks ago, and I love it. And I listen to it daily when driving to the office. This makes forced RTO feel a little bit better. What is... Oh, return to office. I was like, yes. what is recovery time objective? <laughs> okay. Uh, I am currently a mid to senior software engineer at Fang. For the past 1.5 years, I've been trying to interview for other opportunities at staff level. I have good results with coding and design interviews, but I felt like I'm always falling short at behavioral questions. An example is, tell me a time when you had a conflict. How do I go about showing seniority in these type of questions? I have led a few projects and powered through a lot of conflicts to deliver results at my company. At the same time, I can't think of a particular methodology I use to get through them. There were times where I compromised, pushed back hard, met halfway. It depends on the situation. I don't want to show I'm a pushover, at the same time, I don't want to show I'm not easy to work with. What are the signals they are looking for from a staff-level engineer in behavioral style questions? Good, good question. We haven't we haven't really done a lot of interviewing questions recently, like kind of how do I interview well? Yeah. So this is good, timely. I think there's a lot of people interviewing now too, so this is a good one. Yeah. Well, we've already, we should cover the basics first of all, which is try to make yourself taller. You know, try to position yourself so you are vertically higher than the interviewer. That's number one. <laughs> Establish dominance. Yeah. You can do this with platform shoes. You can make your hair taller. Bring your own office chair that just goes way up. Yeah, just exactly. Just goes comically high, like eight feet off the ground. Maybe bring another chair for the interviewer that's really short. Mm-hmm. Maybe like six inches mm-hmm. down. Just here, sit here, please. Yeah. Okay. Those... <laughs> I would feel more comfortable if you were sitting on the floor during yeah, our interview. Could you? Can you do that, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe tell me about a time when you've had a conflict. Maybe just role play a conflict right there. Maybe create a conflict. <laughs> like, no, I will not tell you about a time I had a conflict. I can't believe you said that to me. Let's work through How this. Could you even think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's, okay. Well, I like, yeah, let's work through this show's. You can do it instead of just fighting them. That's probably better. Yeah, exactly. Then at the end, say, not only am I good at working through conflicts, I can create them and resolve them. At will. <laughs> yeah, most people can only resolve them. I can create them and resolve them. Nice. The total package. Yeah. I think you should have a story picked out. I mean, it's yes. kind of implicit in the question, tell me a time. They're kind of asking for a specific experience. Oh, yeah. But if you, there's, there's going to be the, the space of behavioral questions they could ask is technically unbounded, but in reality is probably pretty small. This yeah. conflict one is very common at almost every more senior role. There's sort of a suite of them that gets asked for kind of a management or leadership role. So I, I don't think it would be a bad use of time 
to do a little digging, poke around, see if you can find, I don't know, three or five of them and, and select a story from your past and, and like practice it. Think about explaining that story to someone else of, of a time when you did this thing. So this is kind of a meta. It's not how you answer it directly, but right. if, if you are trying to think up an example on the spot, that's um, rough. That can get stressful. Yeah. yeah. And your, your brain might not work as well at, at recalling past stuff during the interview and the stress. And so prep is one answer. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with your recommendation to write down stories ahead of time from a, a bank of questions that people are likely to ask. Because like you said, there's only so many, you know, probably there's probably 50, honestly, in the universe of commonly asked behavioral questions. And so you should be able to have a, a narrative. That'll take time, by the way, to write 50 little stories. That's time consuming. But yeah, that's a lot of time. I wouldn't I'd be way too lazy to do 50. Yeah, it's it's hard work. I remember when I was prepping for a Fang interview about seven years ago, I wrote down a bunch of these stories. I just ran out of energy. I'm like, man, I just, after five or six, I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> it was a lot. But but what's valuable about the exercise is jogging your memory to recall situations that you've been in and exactly what you did. And that's that's what they're looking for. So I think it's time for me to establish my credentials on this topic. I worked at a fan company for four years, and during that time, I interviewed 250 people, which means that I got to see a wide spectrum of responses to behavioral questions. Oh, and by the way, it was a super big behavioral interview company, so that's all. almost all we did was behavioral questions. Hmm. And I can tell you that, the, at least at my company, the important thing about the answer is not only that it's a good answer, but that it rises to the level that you're interviewing for. So here it said staff level interview. So that's like usually one step up from senior, kind of team lead kind of level. And so your answers need to demonstrate that you have done these behaviors at the level that you're interviewing for. So for staff, that would be something like conflict would not just be, you know, I was in a code review with a fellow peer individual contributor and we disagreed on syntax. You know, that would be like an entry level level of, a, of a conflict. This is more like, you know, there were two teams who both had competing visions for the future of this service and they came into conflict and we had to resolve them. What did you do? You know, that's more like staff level conflict. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. I, the interviewer or the interviewer, the question asker said, basically I've, I've done it differently each time. There isn't like the one response I've had to conflict. Yeah. Well, you but want to pick the best one. <laughs> yeah, just tell pick, that one. Pick the best one. That's a good one. Yeah, you, you don't have to tell them all. Yeah. There also might be some some common principles to them if you look at all these different situations. Mm -hmm. If you if you can think about what kind of trade-offs you were making and how you decided which approach to take, that might be useful as well. Like when you pushed back hard, why why did you push back hard? Why was it worth it yeah. in that case? Yeah, tell why them the kind the right of the framework decision. that you were following. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe you just felt like the impact to the business was was so hard that it was worth... I mean, there's a cost of pushing back hard. You can harm relationships. You can make working right. together harder. You can become the person who cries wolf uh, or whatever. So why, why was it worth it in that case? I, I totally agree with that. The most successful behavioral interview candidates that I've heard from on the other side of the table are people who are able to explain what they did why and, and how the outcome was good and also what like you said what principles guided them and and people who have kind of strong principles that are clear and easily to articulate they 
they tend to actually be really great coworkers too, you know, because they'll tell you like, I'm favoring this over that when I make this decision. And it's like, oh, great. Now, not only do I know what decision you made, but I also know why you chose that. And and for some reason, that's very, very comforting to the rest of your coworkers, I think. And especially comforting yeah. to interviewers because they can kind of get a, a glimpse into the machinery. It's almost like a self-describing neural network. You know, you trust the neural network's results, sort of, but what can, when it can explain why it came up with those results, which they don't do a good job of generally, <laughs> you trust the results a lot more. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a lot more comforting to hear why, and and that helps you predict kind of what might happen in different situations than to hear, well, my principle is I just think of the right thing and then do that thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Another thing I'll, I'll suggest is that giving a weak answer is worse than giving no answer to this question. So for example, if you say, I had a conflict with someone, I... I yelled and screamed and stormed out of the room and it's still not resolved to this day. That's worse than just saying, hmm, I can't think of any examples of that. <laughs> it's it's kind of like your wrong answers will penalize you in these behavioral questions. So just don't even go there if you don't have a, a strong answer. It's like no, no answer is like negative one. A weak answer is like negative five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is what and, you're saying. Yeah, and and... Back to the leveling thing, if you have examples to these behavioral interview questions, but they're at the wrong level, that can also harm you. I can't tell you how many candidates I saw. Probably 60 or 70% of the candidates that we recommended for hire, we recommended at a level lower than they interviewed for. And that's because we were able to see good answers to behavioral questions, but they were at the level down. You know, the, the scope of impact wasn't big enough for the level they were interviewing for. So we suggested higher, but at a reduced level. So if you're going for staff, make darn sure that you're only sharing staff level behavioral question answers. I'm glad you're on this podcast. You have expert advice on this. Well, I'm always glad. But it was hard earned. Yeah, I've, I've only, I mean, I've done, I haven't given a lot of behavioral interviews actually, but I have done them in my own interviewing. One, so one more thing I will offer is another replacement for prep is interviewing a lot. <laughs> and that's true. You get, that's a, true. you get to go through the exercise of thinking up these answers in real time in the interview. And for me, at least it was much easier to kind of, uh, once I'd done some practice, even though that practice came in earlier interviews, I was kind of yep. used to the flow and, and had some examples picked out that I had gone to earlier and, and, so that that can be a replacement for practice. I agree. Well, in or, fact, or I think on your own. I think uh, real interviewing is the best practice, and that's why for many years I would go and do job interviews just kind of for fun, you know, just see what's out there on the market, interview at other companies, see how they what their process is like, but also build mm-hmm. up valuable experience. And the the most valuable experience is tolerance for stressful interview situations. You know, <laughs> that is the most applicable interview experience. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, you, from interviewing, you learn to get better at interviewing. That's, yes, that's the most directly transferable yep. skill. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, maybe you get a little better at some well, work stuff. We maybe, assess the but. candidate, and we have determined that they are an excellent interviewer. <laughs> we assess their it's, interviewing skills. I think you could shortcut a lot of hiring processes if, if you just said that like yeah 
Because I think that is what's happening a lot of the time. Yeah, you're assessing their interview skills. So we should probably cover the STAR acronym. This is the go-to acronym for how to handle behavioral questions. But I, I like to cut one of the letters out. Let's see, what is it? Uh, okay, why don't we go through the, the letters? And then there's one I always like to cut out because I think it's redundant, but STAR. So STAR is a guide for how you answer a behavioral question. So the S stands for situation, which means you explain the situation you are in. This needs to be brief. You don't want to spend 20 minutes just setting up the situation. T stands for... Task. Task, yes. And this one I think is redundant because... The next letter, A, is action. And I think task and action are basically the same thing. You know, it's like basically what did you do in the situa situation? And then R stands for results, which means what happened as a result of your action. So your I would actually call it, I'd call it the SAR method. <laughs> this okay. Situation, action, result. You know, what was the situation? Why was there a problem? What did you do? And did it work? And then the, the results section is probably the most important because it's very hard to judge someone's actions if they were good or bad. But if there are results that speak for themselves, like, and we increased productivity by 27%, you know, that that result really tells all the story you need. And, and again, the result is where you need to have the level of scope that you're interviewing for. So if, you know, if you're interviewing for a staff or more senior position and your result is, and I got my editor to work finally. You know, it's like, well, that's not a senior, that's not a senior thing because you're not influencing other engineers. But if the result yeah. is, and everyone on the team cut their cycle time down by 45% on all new tickets delivered hereafter, that is a staff level result because it affects the whole team. Yeah. And numbers, numbers are like super powerful. So it, it, which is kind of sad because a lot of really valuable results are more qualitative in nature, but for interview purposes, if you can throw a number up there, it helps the interviewer have this really concrete example of a good outcome that you generated. And then when they go and try to justify their hiring decision, they can say, they can just keep going back to that number. Oh yeah, but he reduced cycle time by 47% for a team of 11 engineers, you know, and, and then you got managers going 45% times 11 engineers. That's an incredible, you know, incredible impact. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever given a number as a result well, I'm trying to think if I ever have. I don't think I have. Not even a seven? <laughs> and we saved one dollar in our cloud <laughs> costs. <laughs> <laughs> Behold. Dollar saving. Actually, cost savings is a really good one. And, and I know right now there is a big emphasis throughout the industry on cost savings, especially on the cloud bill, which is what you just, I'm sure that wasn't a coincidence yeah. that you brought that up. So it, yeah. if you have experience saving money on infrastructure costs, hosting costs, any vendor, you know, like identifying waste and eliminating it. That's like the easiest way to produce a number to one of these behavioral questions. Yeah. It's interesting. This this method is also, it's like the same setup, although different terms for it, from, for, for something I've used in giving critical feedback, which is situation behavior impact. It's oh, yeah. It's, That's good. Situation action result. Like here's the situation here's what you did. Here was the impact of that. It's kind of the reverse of it. Here's, here's the situation. Here's what I did. Yeah. Situation. You had a conflict. Your action was to scream at the other person. Result, today is your last day with the company. <laughs> <laughs> I used the star method. <laughs> Didn't it feel good to get the star method used on you? <laughs> that meant no. I interviewed well. <laughs> Well, actually, I think this is an argument for the T. The T is what was the goal? 
Yeah, you're right. I what I was just looking, looking that up. Towards, so yeah, the tat. Like, what was your responsibility what were you trying to do? Yeah, but, but like, you, so I mean, so I guess if you were trying to have it be your last day, then mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. I you know, I don't know. I've always found that the T for task and the A for action usually are just the same thing. You know, it's like my responsibility yeah. was to fix the bug, so yeah. I fixed the bug, <laughs> and the result yeah. was. Customers were happy. Yeah. So anyway, star, I mean, star obviously is better to say out loud. It just sounds better than sar or stir. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that the goal being pretty obvious from describing the situation. Yeah. Yeah. The house was on fire. I had a task. (laughs) Porcupine was trapped inside. (laughs) I thought you were going to say my task was to make sure the rest of the neighborhood caught on fire too. (laughs) <laughs> ah, well, there you go. That's where it would be useful to clarify. Okay, so we've okay. covered murder, arson. What else yeah. do we need to? What else? What other checkboxes do we need to hit today to achieve I think our we'll task? We'll have to leave those for a, a future episode. Okay, Dave, what can people do if they would like their own questions answered? Oh well, if you really want to do that, even after hearing today's episode, you can go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. We give you a heartfelt thank you to everyone who does that each week. So many wonderful questions from you. We love reading them. We love hearing from you. And thank you so much for keeping them coming. Thank you. Thank you. We will catch you next week.